podcast and my first episode, which is going to be uploaded directly to Apple Podcasts. So this is really great. And also, I do need to make a plug at the beginning. Because distribution is no longer free for me, I am going to need to start asking for Patreon donations. Uh, so please go to my Patreon account. Please give whatever you can. It costs about $10 a month to put this out there, so please support the podcast winning where you can. It'll also help support my YouTube channel, which I'm going to be making more videos for very soon. So today, I'm going to be talking about the recent infighting in the House Democratic Party. Particularly, I'm going to be responding to an op-ed in the New York Times by Maureen Dowd, a well-known centrist commentator, which was criticizing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, just for a little bit of background. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Anaya Presley, the group of progressive badass women of color who were elected to Congress in 2018, have had a bit of a fight going with Nancy Pelosi. The squad, as the group has been called, were very opposed to this border bill, which they said amounted to keeping kids in cages, which it did. And they were the only four Democrats to vote against this bill. When Pelosi criticized them for this, AOC fired back, saying that she was trying to silence newly elected women of color. This is a very broad summary of how we got to where we are, and it's by no means conclusive. I left out most of the details here. I just wanted to get that summarized so we can get into the article. So let's now talk about Dowd's piece. For those who don't read the Times, I envy you. And now let me explain who Maureen Dowd is. Maureen Dowd is a centrist op-ed writer who won a Pulitzer Prize back in the 90s for her reporting on the Lewinsky affair. Now, she has been very highly regarded because of this, but she's also been very controversial. In fact, she's been very controversial for her reporting about women, particularly the previously mentioned Monica Lewinsky, Hillary Clinton, and Sarah Palin, and she has repeatedly used fairly sexist language to discuss them, but she's still a very highly regarded columnist. Now, her article is titled Scaling Woke Back Mountain, and it was published on July 13th, 2019, and it's a hit piece against AOC. Let's be clear, it is a complete defense of Nancy Pelosi and an attack on AOC, so let's just read some bits of it. So, Dowd opens the article saying, I was feeling on edge, writing a column that sparks an internecine fight among the highest profile women in the Democratic Party is nerve-wracking. Okay. So I went to the gym, Alex Toussaint, the digital Pelton instructor inside the little screen on my spinning bike had some wisdom for me, the kind of new age bromide dispensed in spin classes everywhere. You can climb the mountain to see the world, you can don't climb the mountain so you the world can see you. I already know where this article is going, this isn't gonna be good. I only wished AOC had been cycling alongside me to hear it as well. I'm just shaking my head at that. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ensourced me from the start. I loved the bartender makes good Cinderella story, the shake up the capital idealistic dreams, the bravado about how the plutocrat president from Queens wouldn't know how to deal with a Puerto Rican girl from the Bronx. And I imagined the most potent feminist partnership in American history. Nancy Pelosi as sensei, bringing her inside game, and AOC the karate kid with a wicked Twitter game. I'm just gonna stop right there because if you actually believe that, you're an idiot. Let's be very clear, Pelosi has spent her career fighting against the left. She got elected to Congress for the first time, beating one of the chairs of the Democratic Socialists of America in a special election in 87. That's how she got into Congress. She has fought the left her entire career. To say that another DSA member would be her Padawan, I hate using that word because the prequels were awful, but if you want to say that would happen, then you have no idea what's going on. I, let's be very clear about that. But let's continue. But instead, the 79-year-old speaker and the 29-year-old freshman are trapped in a generational and ideological tangle that poses a real threat to the Democrats' ability to beat 
Donald Trump next year. Pelosi told me after the AOC squad voted against the House's version of the border bill and trashed the moderates, the very people who provided the Democrats the majority, the squad was only four people with four votes. She was talking about a legislative reality. It w if it was a knock, it was for abandoning the party. <sighs> okay, just, that's gobbledygook. For one, if it was a knock, it was a knock on the Democrats for selling out to Trump, which is the exact reason, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this later on, why the centrist leadership of the Democratic Party will not deliver us from Trump. They will hand it to him on a silver platter. Their border bill would keep kids in cages. Their border bill would continue ICE raids. Their border bill would continue funding the obscene support for his anti-immigrant crusade. This is the problem, and they're handing it to Trump. The fact that they voted against it was a noble stand and a prop and a good indication of why the Democratic Party is going to lose at the current rate. Let's continue reading the article. That did not merit AOC's outrageous accusation that Pelosi was targeting newly elected women of color. She slimed the speaker who has spent her life fighting for the downtrodden and who was instrumental in getting the first African-American president elected and passing his agenda against all odds as a sexist and a racist. I'm just going to give everyone a minute to finish laughing at that because that's just hilarious. Like, I don't even know what to say about that. That's just so ridiculous. I don't know what was more the accusation of sliming the speaker when I would say it was a merit, like a meritable criticism that she was in fact silencing the newly elected women of color in the squad. But I think it's probably more hilarious that it says that Pelosi has spent her whole life fighting for the downtrodden and who was instrumental in getting the first African-American president's agenda passed. And it's like, okay, one, most of his agenda was not passed and admittedly because of the Republicans, but Pelosi has not spent her whole life fighting for the downtrodden, Pelosi is a centrist. The idea that Pelosi is some left-wing progressive is nonsense. She has constantly been a friend to centrists and new Democrats and an enemy of the progressive wing. Let's be very clear about that. Moving on with the article, AOC should, should consider the possibility that people who disagree with her do not disagree with her color. I don't think that was her AOC's criticism. Her criticism was that Pelosi was silencing women of color, which she was doing. The young lawmaker went further, implying that the speaker was putting the squad in danger, asking why Pelosi would criticize them, knowing the amount of death threats and attention they get. Huh? Okay, uh, they do get a lot of death threats. Ilan Omar, in particular, gets so many death threats. This is a very serious problem, and Pelosi was putting them in danger, and if her job is to protect the Democratic Caucus, I think that means protecting them from death threats and not opening them up to more death threats. That's a problem there. AOC pulled back and said she wasn't calling Pelosi a racist, but once you start the ball rolling, it's hard to stop. You know how topsy-turvy the fight is when the biggest defenders of Pelosi, who has endured being a caricature of extreme liberalism for decades, are Trump and the Wall Street Journal editorial board. No, I think that's... she's very wrong there. This is actually the exact point that I'm trying to make. The world is not topsy-turvy because Trump and the Wall Street Journal editorial board are defending Pelosi. This shows you how things really are. This is what it is. The capitalist press is defending Pelosi because she is their ally. She is the left wing of capital, pretty much. She's a centrist. She is not a challenge to their power when she has no intention of challenging them. The gutless Democratic Party, under Pelosi's leadership, has handed everything to the Republicans for decades, and it has got to stop. 
It is enabling fascism to come to power. Centrists always do this. Centrists always enable the right and push them further to the right by capitulating to them. That's why we are in such a problem that we are right now. Centrists bear a great deal of responsibility, and the fact that you won't recognize this Marine Dowd makes you part of the problem too. Moving on with the article. AOC, the AOC crew threw down the gauntlet in a recent opinion piece in the Washington Post by The Intercept's Ryan Grimm. He wrote that when Pelosi and the other Democratic mandarins try and keep the image of the party centrist, they are crouching in the defensive posture they've been in since the Reagan Revolution. Corbin Trent, a spokesman for AOC and the co-founder of Justice Democrats, the progressive group that helped propel her, told Grimm, The greatest threat to mankind is the cowardice of the Democratic Party, with the older generation driven by fear and unable to lead. Message, Pelosi is past her prime, except she's not. Okay. No, she is absolutely past her prime, and it's be not that her age is a problem. Let's be absolutely clear on that. Her age is not an issue. It is her ideas. And the fact of the matter is, what Ryan Grimm and Corbin Trent are saying is absolutely true. The Democratic Party is in this defensive posture. They are desperate to keep the party centrist. They are crouching in the corner, and they are going to hand us to the fascists. That is why, where we are heading, and the Democratic Party is driving us off a cliff because of this. They will give everything to the Republicans and head us down that route. That's what their border bill would do by keeping these kids in cages. Unless we go and say, we will not cooperate with you fascist scum, we will not cooperate with the far right, we will not cooperate with even these national conservatives, we are going to resist you, we are going to forward an alternative left-wing progressive agenda that will actually help people that's how we will get out of the corner that's how the democratic party can move forward but otherwise they're going to continue handing everything over to the right and pelosi has been doing this for years and she is part of the problem so let's be moving on and then there's the real instigator sakatri charbat chakrabadi i absolutely butchered that and i want to apologize to him right now because i that was just awful my dearest apology says AOC's 33-year-old chief of staff, who co-founded Justice Democrats and Brand New Congress, both of which recruited progressives, including AOC, to run against moderates in Democratic primaries. The former Silicon Valley Bernie bro, oh, f*** you, assumed he could apply Facebook's mantra, move fast and break thanks to one of the oldest institutions in the country. But Congress is not a place where you achieve radical progress, certainly not in a divided government. It's a place where you work at it and work, work at it and don't get everything you want. Again, with the utterly meaningless statements attacking the left and progressives, and I don't know what the hell that is even supposed to mean. Like, the more I read this article, the less I think Maureen Dowd actually understands about the left. I don't actually think that she knows or wants to know what the left actually stands for. That's not a good thing when you're a political reporter. The progressives act as though anyone who dares disagree with them is bad. Not wrong but bad, guilty of some human failing and some impurity that is a moral evil that justifies their venom. Again, I don't think Maureen Dowd actually understands what the complaint was. We have been critical of Pelosi because she is a centrist and because she is leading this country down a dark path because she, her ideology is utterly feckless. That is the problem and that is what we have, that is the issue that we have with her. Chakrabadi sent shockwaves through the Democratic caucus when he posted a tweet about the border bill comparing moderate and blue dog Democrats, some of whom are black, to southern segregationists in the 40s. Rahm Emanuel, oh god, we're really quite quoting Rahm Emanuel, told me Chakrabadi is a snot-nosed punk who has no idea about the battle scars Pelosi bears from the liberal fights she has led. I feel like I'm getting dumber the more of this article I read. 
she mentioned Ryan Grimm earlier, and I've been listening to some podcasts he's been on recently, and I'm looking forward to reading his book as soon as I get a copy. And he really makes it clear why we shouldn't listen to Rom Mother Emanuel for virtually any reason. This man led the Democratic Party down a path of absolute centrism, which decimated the party in 2010, which lost the Democratic Party 2016, which has pushed the Republican Party further to the right, and who as mayor was absolutely awful. It's good that he's gone. Let's move on, and she's still quoting Emmanuel for some reason. What votes did you get, Emmanuel said, rhetorically challenging AOC's chief of staff. You should only be so lucky to learn from somebody like Nancy who has shown incredible courage and who has twice returned the Democratic Party to power. We fought for decades to create majorities to get a Democratic president elected and re-elected, and they're going to dither it away. They have n not decided what's more important. Do they want to beat Trump, or do they want to clear the moderates and centrists out of the party? You think weakening the speaker is the right strategy to try and get rid of Donald Trump and everything he stands for? Yes! Yes, it is! That is, we need to get rid of the centrists. We absolutely have to, because the centrists will deliver us another Trump term. Let's be clear here. You, Rahm Emanuel, are a failure. Your ideology is a failure, and you have nothing. We have no reason to take any more of your advice. Your advice, your strategy, your ideology got us Trump. Lost us 2016. Lost us 2014. Lost us 2010. You are responsible. You bear that responsibility. You weakened the grassroots after Obama was elected. You weakened the Democratic Party's progressive wing. You enabled the centrists. You allowed the Tea Party to win. You allowed Trump to win. And I haven't even talked about your record as mayor of Chicago. You have nothing to say that we should listen to. You need to go back to the slime pit that you crawled out of. I'm sorry to get to start yelling at that, but I'm sorry, but we cannot take people like Rom Mother Emanuel seriously anymore. He and his cohorts, Pelosi, all of these centrists need to go or we will not defeat Donald Trump. We will not stop the rise of the far right. We will not beat climate change. We need progressive left-wing alternatives. We need something. We are staring down the road of socialism or barbarism and you are taking us down the road of barbarism. That's absolutely what's going on here. We do not have a third option here. The third way is dead. Socialism or barbarism, pick a side. So for the final paragraph, in the age of Trump, there is no more stupid proposition than Nancy Pelosi is the problem. If AOC and her Pygmalions and acolytes decide that burning down the house is more important than deposing Trump, they will be left with a racist backward president and the emotional satisfaction of their own purity. I've said this once before, but you. The fact of the matter is we need a left-wing alternative if we want to beat Trump and the Centrist Democrats, Pelosi, and all of them, they will not deliver it. They will keep us down the road of centrism, and they will deliver us Trump for another four years. And if we have to burn down the House to get rid of Trump, so be it. We, you know, a revolution does not sound that bad to me. We need some, uh, we need a real action. We need real alternatives here, and the centrist Democrats are going to deliver it to us. Now, this whole controversy actually has a local connection for me. I live in the 3rd District in Kansas, and my congresswoman is Sharice Davids. Uh, she is a member of the New Democratic Coalition, and I worked on the campaign for her primary opponent, Brent Welder, back during the primaries last year, and we lost that by three points. It hurt, but, you know, I worked to get Sharice elected 
in the fall, and we did. And I was very happy about this one, but she has been a massive letdown since then, and I'm not sure what I was expecting otherwise. But during the course of this, uh, Sakit Chakrabadi, again, I apologize to him for uh, saying his name wrong, wrote on June 27th a tweet criticizing Sharice Davids and saying that I don't think people have to be personally racist to enable a racist system. And the same could be said of the Southern Democrats. I don't believe Sharice is a racist person, but her votes are showing her to enable a racist system. Nothing about this is false. But the House Democratic Caucus shared the two that tweet two weeks later on fr this last Friday and said, who is this guy and why is he explicitly singling out a Native American woman of color? Her name is Congresswoman Davids, not Sharice. She is a phenomenal new member who flipped a red seat blue. Keep her name out of your mouth, a reference to a Republican criticism of Anaya Presley, one of the squad. And this is from the official House Democrats Twitter. It was Pelosi spokesman Drew Hamill retweeted this. And this is just... Chakrabadi speaks for me in that one. Sharice Davids is my congresswoman. Chakrabadi is right. Sharice Davids is enabling a racist system. She's enabling a racist president by allowing these border detention camps to stay open with that border bill. That's what it did. And the fact of the matter is that as long as we continue to capitulate to Trump on issues like this and his worst abuses, we will let him win. And that's the matter here. These are people's lives we're dealing with, and we cannot continue enabling with it. This ain't just about ideological purity. It's not even about that at all. This is about people's lives. And you Democrats are more willing to lose your majority than to save those lives, to make lives better for people, to actually change the system. And there is a reason that I believe that revolution is necessary at some point in the future. It's because feckless centrists like you will make it impossible and have made it impossible to reform the system. You guys continually resist any genuine progressive change. You continually enable the rise of the right. And without you guys, we might have a shot at saving this world, saving this planet, but you won't let that happen. And so you need to go. Let's be clear about this. I feel like towards the end, my points got incredibly rambly here, but my points still stand. This is what we're dealing with here. Centrism is cancer. I tweeted that last week, and I believe it. Centrism is a cancer, and it needs to go. We cannot allow centrists to dictate the terms of political change in this country, because that will mean no change at all, it, unless we demand radical, progressive, left-wing, socialist ideas then we will see change. But unless we do that, nothing's going to happen. That is the only option we got here. And frankly speaking, centrist Democrats like Nancy Pelosi will not give us that option. And there are people in that caucus to her right. Let's be abundantly clear about them. And she wants their favor more than she wants progressives. And I know that tells you everything you want to know about where her loyalties lie. She is on the right of the Democratic Party. She is not the furthest to the right in the Democratic Party, but she is no progressive. She is no left-wing. She represents the left-wing of capital. Let's be abundantly clear about that one. And we need a new speaker after 2020, and we need someone progressive. Maybe Anaya Presley, maybe AOC herself, maybe Ro Khanna, someone who will be an actual progressive leader in the House, who will actually bring about the changes that we need. That's what's going to have to happen, and we need to get these centrists out of there. We need to primary them. I've been spending the last few months in St. Louis, and out here there is a 
a progressive primary challenger to their incumbent, Lacey Clay, another Democrat. Uh, Cori Bush, if you have heard of her, she was in the documentary Knock Down the House. Please support her 2020 campaign. She's an absolute great candidate. Uh, and we need people like her in Congress. I don't know if anyone's going to put forward a primary challenger to Sharice Davids. I don't know if it's a good idea at this point. But, you know, I would be willing to support one. She has been an absolute disappointment. Uh, I know there's a primary challenger to Nancy Pelosi, uh, Shahid Buttar, who used to be uh, from the Bill of Rights Defense Commission or some group like that, uh, who was a big opponent of government surveillance in the NSA, uh, did a whole rap song about it called NSA vs. USA, which is a great, great song. Um, I absolutely support his run. But one guy who we absolutely need to get out there is Steny Hoyer. He also needs to go. And I don't know if he has been given a primary challenger yet, but... Someone needs to recruit one or just decide, hey, I'm going to primary Steny Hoyer because he's got to go. Uh, he is one of the worst in there as well. He's been in there longer than Pelosi, and he's been a leader for as long, if not longer, and he needs to be primary out of there. He's actually number one on the list, not Pelosi. He's the first person that we need to get rid of, followed by Pelosi, then all the other centrist Democrats. Let's be clear about this one. They need to go. And so I support Justice Democrats and brand new Congress and all these groups that are trying to get rid of the centrist cancer that exists within the Democratic Party. And until we get rid of them, we won't see anything that is going to happen in this country that will actually bring about progressive change. This has been an absolute tirade. I did not see this episode going that way. I mostly improvised it. Uh, and I did not expect to do my little Sargon of a Cat impression there. Uh, although it wasn't just, you know, me yelling F you Bernie at that one like he did. But this is just too important to leave to centrist Democrats. It is too important to leave to moderates. The world itself is at stake here. And if we don't change it, there won't be another generation. Climate change is a very real, serious threat facing our society, facing our world. As I was recording this, I couldn't help but think of something that Matt Chrisman on Chapo Trap House said right after Charlottesville. And it really summarizes what we're facing here and why... These liberal columnists, and when I say liberal, I mean centrist columnists, and this centrist liberal ideology that we are living in is just utterly feckless and will not deal with the problems that we're facing. The ecological catastrophe, the rise of fascism, these are real problems that we're facing, and I really want to play this clip for you because I really think it summarizes exactly what we're going through, and it's responding to the people that are saying, oh, well, the far left is just as bad as the alt-right, and the people that were coining the term alt-left and other nonsense like that, but I just really want to play this for you. Respond to it. Like, I know it's, okay. it's, it's yep. galling, but, like, you have to understand, like, what these, these, what these people are doing, which is they have nothing. They have nothing. So just keep talking well, about... Well, I mean, they have nothing in terms of an argument or a coherent worldview or a useful praxis, but what they do have is they are speaking on behalf of a hegemonic liberalism that is going to get us all... Kill. It's got a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Don't talk to them, but because but, they're distraction from the real f***ing problem, which is that fascism arises because of the collapse of uh, institutional legitimacy of liberal institutions, and that's how it. That's how we got f***ing Trump. It's how we're going to get what's coming next after him. That's going to be even worse. Because if you think there's not going to be more ecological and economic catastrophes in the future that liberalism is wholly unsuited to fucking deal with and that that failure is not going to lead to fascism filling that fucking hole, you got another thing coming. And that's what these guys are. These guys who marched in Charlottesville, these are the people who are aware 
of the unspoken premise of this sort of zombie neoliberalism we're living in, which is that we're coming at a point where there's going to be ecological catastrophe and it's going to either require mass redistribution of the ill-gotten gains of uh, the first world or genocide. And these are the first people who have basically said, well, if that's the choice, I choose genocide. And they're getting everybody else ready intellectually and emotionally for why that's going to be okay when it happens, why they're not really people. When we're, when we're putting all of this money into more fucking walls and drones and bombs and guns to keep them away and so that we can watch them die with clear consciences, it's going to be because we've been loaded with the ideology that these guys are now starting to express publicly. On the other side of them, you have people who are saying in full fucking voice, no, we have the resources to save everybody, to give everybody a fucking decent and and uh, worthwhile existence. And that is what we want. And that is the real difference between these two. So you can tell that to the next asshole who tells you that they're actually two sides of the same coin. That clip from Chapo Trap House, and I'll link the episode that it's from in the description below, really gets at the heart of what the problem here is. We are facing a choice where we must either redistribute the ill-gotten gains of the first world, as he said, or we choose genocide. And the fact is that these liberal Democrats, these centrist Democrats, are leading us down a path that gives everything to the alt-right and leads to genocide. That's just where we're heading right now, and it is tragic that that's the case. Uh, I mourn for the future whenever this stuff comes up, and if we leave these centrists in control, we're no better off than we are if the right's in control. You know... We do not have a choice here. We need to demand radical changes. There isn't an alternative at this point in time because we are at such a disastrous point in history. Moderation simply will not work. Moderation is a death trap at this point in time. And so the people like Maureen Dowd or David Brooks or any of these other idiots in the New York Times op-ed pages need to understand that the choices are socialism or barbarism, and at this point in time, they are going to lead us down the path of barbarism. We cannot cut it anymore with this nonsense, this centrist nonsense. We need radical changes to our society, and we need to act. There cannot be an alternative other than that. The only alternative that we have is genocide, ecological destruction, and death. This whole debate started because... AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and Anaya Presley all said, no, we're not going to support your bill because it keeps kids in cages. That shouldn't be a controversial thing. You, the number of kids that should be acceptable to keep in cages is zero. Not a few, not less than the other guy, zero. That should not be... How... The fact that we are having this moral debate, the fact that we're having to compromise on kids in cages should tell you how far things have gotten, how bad they are, and how we really need a radical solution here. We need to organize, we need to be radical, and we need to demand real serious changes. I advocate for a vote for Bernie Sanders in 2020, and I think that it will go a long way in helping fix some of these things, but Bernie is not going to be enough. AOC is not enough. We need to organize. We need to mobilize. We need to fight. That is the solution that we have. 
Bernie himself has been making that point throughout his campaign and in the last one. That was the whole idea of the political revolution. You know, when millions of people come together and organize and stand up for what's right, that's how we can make change. That's how we make revolutions happen. And that is just the fact. We cannot rely on simply voting, and we definitely cannot rely on centrists to deliver what we need. We need to organize and mobilize and do it ourselves at this point, because we don't have a lot of time to do this otherwise. We need to be radical. We need to do it. Join a union. Join a group like DSA. Get involved. That is what we need at this point. We cannot let these liberal commentators and these centrist politicians dictate how change is going to be. We have to dictate it to them. And we cannot let we cannot listen to them any longer. They need to go. They need to go. That's it's as simple as that. They need to go. And if they won't go on their own, we will make them go. You know, they'll need to move over or we'll move them over. Nye Bevan said that we know what happens to people who stand in the middle of the road. They get run down. That's what's going on. The centrist politicians are going to get run down and they are being run down. And we can't let them drag us with them. We can't let them drag the planet with them. We can't let them drag our society with them. We need to build something better. And if they're going to get run down by the right, we need to be there ready to, ru to run the right down. Okay? Let's be abundantly clear about this. The road ahead is tough. I'm not going to lie to you. The revolution is not just around the corner. The only time in human history I think that might have been more trying or you know more nerve-wracking, at least for the socialists might have been on the eve of World War One. I. I feel like we're at a similar moment right now, and Rosa Luxemburg, who I've been repeatedly quoting her line from there, that we stand at, that capitalist, capitalist society stands at a crossroads, and we must choose between either socialism or barbarism, she was right. Rosa was right. Uh, and we stand at that exact crossroads today. That was the point of my speech I gave on J20 uh, in Kansas City, which you can see on my YouTube channel. The catastrophe that we face is unlike anything that even World War I could imagine, because we are facing planetary collapse here, not just political, social collapse, not just military destruction on a level ever unseen before. We are facing a complete ecological breakdown, something that we have caused through our reckless exploitation of resources to fuel capitalist greed. This is not a happy note to end on, but it's a necessary note. Centrism is a death trap. Centrism is cancer, and we need to fight it. We need to fight it differently than we would fight fascism, of course, but we need to fight it. Centrism must go. We cannot defeat Trump with these centrists at the helm. They are the problem. We cannot defeat the right with these moderates running the ship. We are at a turning point here. And we have the most opportunity that we've had in a long time to make it right. But at the same time, we also face the biggest dangers to our society that we have ever seen in human history. And if we do not succeed, we die. That's very clear. Some places in the world are already seeing this happen. Many island nations, like the Maldives, they are already sinking because of climate change. You know... We are already seeing concentration camps on U.S. soil. People are dying crossing the Mediterranean to get to Europe because of the catastrophe caused by Western imperialism, by climate change, by neocolonialism. These are reality. This is not some theoretical problem that we'll have 50, 20, 30 years down the road. 
this is now, and we need to fight now, and we need to win. Centrists like Maureen Dowd do not get this, and they will lead us down a dark road if we do not fight back, okay? I didn't mean for this episode to get so depressing, and I'm sorry about that. This article is really emblematic of the problem that we have with centrism. Why centrism is such a problem. It really served as a good jumping off point to talk about that. So I hope this whole episode was instructive about the dangers of centrism. I hope that it was useful in that regard. I hope to do something a little bit more upbeat with a little less rants and shouting and depressive reflection at the end. But, you know, they're not all going to be fun. Thanks so much for listening, comrades. Please, again, subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter, and please do consider supporting me on Patreon because I really would like to see this podcast grow and it's really going to go out there thanks to Apple Podcasts, but that does cost me a little money for distribution, so please support me on Patreon. So thanks so much for listening, and as always, solidarity.